0: All right, so I was telling RJ yesterday after the show, I was like, yo, dude, I was scrolling, I was sorry, surfing the World Wide Web. (laughs) And I had, I stumbled across this little comment from a Bohannon, the Bohannon that resides in Iowa. It was a Jordan Bohannon, RJ. And he had said this, and I was like, my God. And this, and Rowdy, remember when we started the show? I said it goes back to when we were talking about the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, their football program, when they got busted for having McDonald's bags full of cash mm-hmm. and they would give to their recruits. Here's what Jordan Bohannon, the Iowa guard, had to say about Wisconsin: "Quote, it would have taken about twenty thousand in a McDonald's bag for me to go to Wisconsin." End quote. Jordan Bohannon, Iowa guard. Again. It would have taken about twenty thousand dollars in a McDonald's bag for me to go to
1: Wisconsin. So I got a couple couple of comments after that. So one, we know that <laughs> was a couple. We one, we know that Wisconsin either isn't paying their players or is severely underpaying players. And two, <laughs> what did Bohannon receive from Iowa to make him uh, want to go there? Go to Iowa.
0: Well, my question is, didn't both of his brothers go to the Wisconsin? Yes. And um, I'm
2: what? pretty sure he wasn't recruited here or offered here, at least. Uh, I mean, kind of blows the old mind. At the time, his only Power 5 offer was Iowa. Outside of that, DePaul, Drake, and Northern Iowa were his offers. I feel like, so, like, he was, I mean... I feel like if you're
0: like remotely good at basketball in any small town around Wisconsin, like Drake has an offer out. Oh, for he's marrying Iowa. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I I've known like oh, four yeah. people that
0: have gone to Drake. Drake
2: casts the net. I yeah.
0: Mean, if you're like if you are in a small town in any state and you're like somewhat good at basketball, Drake is interested.
2: Right. And yet they <laughs> they do well. Every, I know, every pretty, four years, yeah. once those guys develop. So Crazy that was DePaul
0: out. Drake. What did you say? DePaul Drake, Northern Iowa, Northern and Iowa, Iowa, and Iowa. And he chose. And he obviously chose Iowa. And said I would have needed at least twenty
2: thousand in a McDonald's bag to go to Wisconsin. So that's four years later, five years, um, I think. Because it said he does
0: he not understand the success Wisconsin has had compared to the success that Iowa has had.
2: I I think it's more or less
0: the did he not watch his brothers play here? Recruit me. I don't like them. How does that work in the family? Like both of your brothers went to Wisconsin, and now here you are
2: trashing Wisconsin. Well, I mean, your dad was a quarterback for the Iowa Hawkeyes, so... I guess there's that, yeah. I think a lot more of the family is on the Iowa side than they are on the Wisconsin side.
0: So do his brothers just, like, cast away their Wisconsin gear and their allegiances and said, yeah, Yeah, don't
2: you remember when they... When he first started playing for Iowa, they had Yeah, they a game were rocking here, all the and they, Iowa they, gear. No, they weren't. Oh, they were just—they were in all black. Yeah, they were just nothing. No like, red, no nothing, and yet both of them. Well, the absence, Zach started at Air the Force. The absence and, of color and transferred, but the absence of color. Yeah, black. But still, when it's Iowa's main color, I mean, you're you're cheering for Iowa.
0: I just don't understand the. I guess if you're a little salty because both your brothers played for the Badgers and then the Badgers don't come knocking on your door to recruit you, mm-hmm. then I guess you get a little salty and want to uh, say, I would need 20,000. not really
2: recruit Zach either. You have to get transferred point. in.
0: <laughs> so, RJ, when it comes to, uh, and Nellie, when it comes to Wisconsin basketball, and we always kind of like, who's the biggest rival of Wisconsin basketball? Like, who is the one, uh, and I guess when you say rival, we have a hard time like deciphering one, but uh, personally, who's the team that gets under your skin the most? Because for me, I think it's Iowa.
2: Yeah, there's a little bit of history there now, and it's kind of funny. We were talking about it yesterday before you left here. Oh, we're gonna get into that coming uh, up, Jared. Utah. We'll get into that coming um, up. And then I get home. There's a save it
0: because we're up oh. against the break. Save okay. it. Okay. So personally, for you, who's the Big Ten basketball team that gets under your skin the most?
2: I don't even know.
0: Like you're pretty even keeled these past couple yeah, years, are No, but
2: I, I, like for basketball, I I don't think I've in my life have dove into it deep enough to say that's Wisconsin's rival on the basketball court. No but you personally, who's the one? I, you, you're not sure? For me, I think it's Iowa for me. Right?
1: Uh, for me, I think this season it's probably Wisconsin themselves. <laughs> um but if I have to pick another team, I'm gonna go with Michigan State.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. That's one that can get and under it, your skin. And it really quickly. stems
1: with Drew Neitzel.
2: <laughs> Ever since <laughs> Drew Knightzel.
0: Well I think what it stems for me is is Fran McCaffrey, the oh, Fran tantrums, the Frantrums, and then what we're going to talk about coming up—the story of Jared Utah. Yeah, and and his Bugs Bunny looking ass. I, no
2: offense. I don't really like Iowa. Doesn't get under my skin. I think it's just Fran. It's just specific. Yeah, like like earlier in the year when I I didn't see Iowa being a top four team because of Fran, not because of the talent. The talent's there. They have all it takes to probably win an ncaa championship right now when you look at luca garza and the shooters they have on that team i mean inside out really good basketball team i don't think their leadership is still there the oh, guy yeah. had to go to uh anger management counseling because i mean he was a detriment to the progress.
0: serenity now serenity so now I,
2: like i Insanity don't sanity later yeah pretty much
0: rowdy tonight at the cole center got ourselves a little uh, affair with the Iowa Hawkeyes the 11th ranked Fran Freakouts I mean uh, Hawkeyes coming in to take on the number 21 Badgers and the Badgers have yet to lose back-to-back games this season but right now my god the things that struggle the things that are woes I should say are um, mm, shooting rebounding defense all things That's a you lot need to do in the sport
1: of basketball all things Evo. you
0: need to do to win basketball games and my god I think the last time I remember the Badgers being hot would be against Louisville. And that was a while ago. And yeah. the, and they were missing a lot of players with COVID. And before that, it was against Michigan State What on Christmas.
1: You know how I remember that game? Woo-hoo. It was about two months ago because that was the last time I got a haircut.
0: Last time I, I got a haircut was last January.
1: I had a, a haircut on a Saturday morning. And as I got out of the appointment, got into my car... I turned on the Badger game because the Badger game had just started. And I was listening to it, obviously came home, ate lunch, and watched the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason why I know that's been a long time is because I get a haircut about once every two months, and I was just looking at my phone (laughs) going, I need a haircut. I'm about due for a haircut. So, yeah, it's been about two months. Yeah, Uh,
0: Rowdy needs a haircut. Uh, So do I, actually. I haven't gotten mine in over a year. I think uh, I might have to do something about that. I don't know. That's how I know it's two months. Yeah, that's the last time I think the Badgers are actually really hot. You know, the Badgers have been up and down. It's been a roller coaster ride. And you're not really sure what's going on with this team, as you know, some days they're hitting everything, and the next day they're not hitting a single freaking thing. And you know, you got two, two. You know, Nate Reavers six eleven, Micah Potter six ten. Not a single rebound between either of them last game. It was not ugh, good in that second half against Michigan. Uh, Badgers have not played Iowa yet this year, but the thing that concerns me the most, and I think Badger fans everywhere, is you know the big men, right? For the Badgers right now, looking rather mm, Charmin, i.e., AKA soft. Yeah,
1: because if you're not going to make baskets, you got to play good defense,
0: and you got to rebound. Exactly. So what is coming into the Kohl Center tonight is a guy who is a big man, who is possibly, if not the best big man in the country, who is named Luca Garza. He wears the yellow and black of the Iowa Hawkeyes, and that man is good. What did we see, Rowdy, last game? No rebounds from Micah Potter. No rebounds from Nate Reavers. Um, Reavers had three points. That was from the three-point land. I know in the swing offense you need big guys that can pop a shot, but they did. Not, they had no free throws. Reavers no free throws. What were they doing down low? Well, I guess nothing. Luca Garza, my God coming in and it is a little concerning i have comments here from greg guard he talks about trying to you know find consistency find themselves especially the rhythm on offense here's Gardo.
2: specifically offensively i think that's where we've really we have been searching and we haven't found that rhythm consistently we've done it in streaks we did it in streaks i really felt probably louisville was the one where we offensively clicked the best there but it is. we haven't been able to hit that rhythm for a litany of reasons like i said you don't have two hours for me to Go through things, but we're searching and we're working at it.
0: All right, here's more from Guard about the big, stiff challenge, as he says, presents itself tonight against Iowa.
2: Really impressed with what I've watched so far on film. Obviously, Garza is, you know, everything he's made out to be. Really has grown his game, has added pieces to his game. Wieskamp has been very impressive. Obviously, Bohannon is back this year, but a lot of pieces, a lot of depth, a lot of scoring punch. You know, so that'll uh, be a tremendous challenge for us here Thursday night.
0: Luca Garza Rowdy. points per game, shooting 56.2% from the field, hitting 70% of his free throws. He's a big man. Also grabbing 8.4 boards a game, Uh, 5.5 on the defensive glass, 3 on the offensive glass. I know it doesn't mean
1: everything because the two teams haven't played yet this season, and obviously this season is different from last season. But if you go back and look at that only game where Iowa played Wisconsin— It was actually the very first game that Kobe King was no longer on the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team. Luca Garza had 21 points and 18 rebounds. Obviously he manhandled the Badgers last season when they had Reavers and Potter playing much better basketball for 21 and 18. Mm I will won the game by six. And they also shot 15% from three. The Hawkeyes. That is Mm -hmm. just three for 20 shooting the three ball. They've actually, obviously, have been a pretty good shooting team for the most part this season. Luca Garza is continuing to do his thing, but the bigger thing that I look at at this box score that's really alarming to me that I kind of want to ask you if you think that this can be done. Well, ask Revers and Potter combined to have twenty points. Do you think that those two tonight will be able to combine to have twenty points? No. They also combined. <laughs> to, they also combined to have nine rebounds. Do you think? that Reavers and Potter will combine to have nine rebounds tonight.
0: Yes, I'll say yes on that. That's, a ballsy, say, that's a ballsy pick. Well, I mean, when you put up a goose egg, both of them, you, you, I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff is on their ass. Players are on their ass in practice. If you put up two goose eggs and you're the tallest guys on the court, you need to have a big bounce back. And the Badgers, who won eight games in a row last year, I know they're playing with house money, but were able to grab a share of the Big Ten. They have to show that they can do it again before March Madness. Give me glass half full, they bounce back to get more than nine point or I'm sorry, nine rebounds combined between the both of them. All all I'm gonna say is
1: if Luka Garza can get twenty one and eighteen against Reavers and Potter when they combined for twenty and nine as a a duo last year in that matchup, I was still won the game and they shot just fifteen percent from three, where they've been shooting much better this year and are a good shooting team. This has me extremely scared. Yeah,
0: I'm to me, Wisconsin getting the bounce back win tonight. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a nail biter. Wisconsin's going to, you know, show some cojones and say, "Yo, we're going to be." It's not as dire straits as you think it is. You know, in that second half against Michigan, we're going to get that out of our, our minds. Move forward. The thing that frightens me, though, looking at trends, is I was ranked 11th. Wisconsin, if they lose, it'll be their fifth straight loss to ranked opponents. Wisconsin's last win versus a ranked opponent was. Uh, when the Golfers were ranked 21st a on team, December 31st of 2020. A
1: team that's no longer ranked.
0: Yep. I mean, you look at some of the and teams. And the Badgers won 71 to 59.
1: You look at some of the teams now that that's a good point that you brought up of them playing ranked teams. Thank you. Some of the teams that they've played that were ranked Michigan State. No longer ranked. No longer ranked. Minnesota. No longer ranked. No longer ranked. Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> no longer ranked. <laughs> Northwestern and then that's their next game by a, the way against teams that are ranked Michigan Ohio State Illinois
0: Michigan again
1: oh and four. Ooh.
0: yeah and what do they all have don't they have like beastly big men
1: they do have players that can play in the post Ooh. but Wisconsin coming into the season did too they, they had did. a th- third-team All-Big Ten and Nate Reavers. It's a prove-it guy- game,
0: right, Rowdy? It's a prove-it game for Wisconsin. Here it is. Wisconsin, prove it. Prove what you did last year. It's the same team. Minus Brevin Pritzel. Now you got Jonathan da- Johnny Davis. Let's get like 20, 28 minutes from you, my homie. Let's go. Let Jonathan Davis eat. All right, we'll be back. Put the final touches on the show. Prove it, Badgers. You can do it. <laughs> all right, Rob. So let's talk Packers. Have we... On these airwaves, talked about JJ Watt since the news broke that he was released.
3: I don't think we have. No, I, I. When we were on last week, I think well, the news wasn't out yet. Maybe that was a Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Oh, I forget exactly. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was.
0: Because Rob, I was literally on air talking about JJ Watt like. You know, laying this little breadcrumb trail, dangling a carrot in front of Packer fans' face because he kept tweeting on Twitter about like, oh, I had posters of Reggie White and and Sharp growing up and Brett Favre. I love the Packers, obviously. He's a Wisconsin guy. And then, as I'm talking about it on air, Rob, I literally spoke it into existence. Then the news broke, which is rare for a morning show when news breaks, that Watt was released by the Texans. Robbie, do the Packers need to do this move, get it done? Is it in their best interest? Or, no, no, don't do it.
3: Oh no! It's absolutely in their best interest if they can come to some type of financial agreement. Where, I mean, I, evil. Everybody keeps forgetting. I mean, everyone just says, "Oh, it it, it should be such a no brainer, right?" For them, for them to bring in JJ J. Watt. I mean, Evo, They're they're fifteen over the cap if the cap is one ninety, and and you know the NFL said this morning already. You talk about news breaking, but they said this morning the the, the absolute lowest it would be is one eighty. So, you know, a few weeks ago they had said the lowest it would be Evo is 175. So it's gone up five since then, and okay. and, they, and they won't put a number on it. They haven't done that yet, so it's really hard for teams to figure and to calculate exactly what kind of financials they have heading into into free agency. But, but the bottom line still remains, you know, Green Bay is substantially over the cap, whatever that number winds up being. And, and they're going to have to dump a handful of players just to get to that cap number, forget signing Aaron Jones or Corey Lindsley or JJ Watt. Um, now, can they go ahead and whack an extra guy or two? Absolutely, and create the room for a JJ Watt. Can they go restructure some contracts like the quarterbacks, much like David Bakhtiari did? Absolutely. I, I, Ivo, I don't think there's any question that they, they need another difference maker up front, right? I mean, it's Kenny Clark and then a bunch of guys. Um, you know, do they cut a Dean Lowry and save that kind of money and, and put it to JJ Watt? I, I think anybody in 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 their you know right mind would would support that. Um, I, I I talked to some people yesterday, very very close to Watt, and and I certainly think it's a, a, a distinct possibility you know on Green Bay. Uh, but there's a few other teams certainly in play too: Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Uh, he wants to win a Super Bowl. That's first and foremost. He's got plenty of money. He's a simple guy. He doesn't care that much about the economics. He's he's got enough to live and have. You know, four more generations of Watts live extremely comfortably. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, JJ moved to Pewaukee at, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. The family moved there. They had lived in Green Bay until then. Evo, well, they lived less than a mile from Lambeau Field back then. Hmm. I mean, he, he grew up his first, you know, 10 years on, on this planet living within a mile of Lambeau. Um, I, he was amazed and stunned Jumps. when, when Houston came to Green Bay, uh, you know, for some, you know, for some practices a couple of years back, I think that was what the summer of 19. And he looked around at, you know, outside the fences and the crowds and, you know, uh, you know, on the practice field and he saw all these 99 jerseys, um, you know, the, the the JJ Watt jerseys in the crowd he's beloved here I mean there's no question he's a he's a state icon he's he's loved in my area you know in Pewaukee he still goes out he still goes back there and he works out a number of nights in the summer at about midnight um all the time with him and his brothers just it's not because they're standoffish; they 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 want to get their work done, so they don't want to bump into high school kids. So they go, you know, from eleven to one at night sometimes, and and they do their workouts hmm. when they're home, seeing mom and dad. Um, he's obviously got property in the state. Um, he he's beloved in Madison by by Badger Nation. He, he you know, if everything that guy has done in his entire career and his entire life leading up to now is he's done it the right way, right? And um, to get him on a two year deal or something like that to line up next to Kenny Clark, and then you bring up Geary and Zadarius on pass rushing downs. I mean, that would be pretty darn formidable, Evo. So, yeah, no, J.J. Watt to Green Bay would, would make a ton of sense for the Packers. The only the only thing is, is, is that where Watt wants to end up, and, and can they get the financials figured
0: well, out? Well, Rob, I'm thinking of it just as, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of J.J. Watt. I mean, we're both very chiseled, both very, very handsome. Have beautiful wives, you know, Rob. I mean, he's JJ Watt. I think wants my workout regimen, but I would like his
3: both o- o- six five three ten, right, with four and a half percent body I mean, chest, we're, the right? the
0: resemblance is uncanny, Rob. <laughs> and I think I think what he would want, I, I want his bank account, you know. I am sure he wants to be in these airwaves. But Rob, I was trying to think of it like this: growing up a Packers fan, you see Reggie White come to Brett Favre, and they get a Super Bowl, right? I am not comparing JJ Watt to Reggie White, but it's shades of it. Could J.J. Watt be that guy to come to Aaron Rodgers and bring that next Vince Lombardi Trophy? Isn't that just like something a Hollywood, you know, movie producer would make for a movie? The hometown kid goes home to his team that he's I mean, always that,
3: loved. No, no question about it. The, the the biggest question still remains. So, you know, what does J.J. have left? I mean, I think when Reggie got to Green Bay in in '93 he had a lot more left than JJ does right now. I, you know, I've talked to a few people around the league that, that told me evil, they believe JJ probably only has two more years left and you know, they, they, Hey, he's been unbelievably injured the last four or five, six years, right? His body's taken, taken a beating. I know he played all of, you know, all 16 games last year. What did he have? Four or five sacks. Now I know he was doubled more, you know, more than any defensive lineman in football and, and he wouldn't see that level of double teaming in Green Bay, right? They 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 couldn't double team him and Zedarius and you know and then account for Kenny Kenny Clark up front and Rashawn Gary coming off an edge and things like that. He'd probably see eighty, eighty five percent single team blocking, which would be you know, you 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 could see then the two thousand and eleven version of JJ Watt or something like that. I just You know, at at whatever, 31, 32 years old, whatever he is now, Evo, I think he's right in that range. You know, I don't know that he's got more than a couple years left. Can he crank it up, you know, and hit double-digit sacks again? Maybe, you know, when when he's surrounded by high-level elite talent, but maybe a more, you know, reasonable expectation of six to eight sacks or something like that. Now, is, 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 is that enough to get them over the hump? It's certainly more... Than what a Dean Lowry or a Tyler Lancaster or probably a Kingsley Kiki can give you up front, Evo. Um, but but again, I, I think if he does wind up coming to Green Bay, people people need to have realistic expectations. No, this isn't the this isn't the three time Rob. These are know, Packer fans. Guys. These are Cheeseheads. Realistic I mean, expectations? You're out of your mind. Good, good, good point, Evo, right? For all <laughs> draw, draw logic and common sense and reasoning out the window, right? Just, you're not going to see the three-time defensive player of the year, um, you know, that, that he was in Houston come to Green Bay. You're going to see a guy in the last legs of his career, but it might be enough, Evo, for them to get over the hump defensively and, and maybe – Pass some of the teams um, along the way and try to win a Super Bowl.
0: All right, Rob, let me ask you then. Rob Reichel joining us right now from Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Always a good follow. Robbie, what are the moves that make the most sense for the Packers then, excluding J.J. Watt? I mean, maybe that is the one that makes the most sense. What about shoring up that line? What's with Corey Lindsley? What's with the running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and the money out there? What's with, you know, Kevin King and cornerbacks? What's the, what's the most dire move the Packers need to be making right now in this offseason?
3: I mean, honestly, Evo. First and foremost, is is they have to get their salary cap in line before the new league year hits, and we've got about a month on that. So I, you know, I, I think there are going to be some cuts. There are going to be some restructures for them to do that. The one, the one. So along the way, I'll, I'll get to specifics there. Kevin King, obviously, he's gone. I mean, they'll they'll they will probably draft a corner again in the first round. Since 2015, EVO they've taken they've taken a corner in round one or two five different times. Um, you know, outside of Jair Alexander, it really hasn't worked out very well for them. But they'll I think they'll roll the dice and and they'll take a corner again in all likelihood at 29 and throw him in there from from week one to replace Kevin King and, and kind of go from there because I don't think Sullivan's good enough to hold up for you know eight nine hundred snaps through the course of a season. Um, Aaron Jones almost certainly gone. Um, I, I, I've seen a lot of chatter and a lot of talk about him going to Miami, that that would make perfect sense. I, I think the Dolphins are one of the teams, you know, that has about 30 or $40 million. of salary cap room, they, they've got, you know, they're inside the top 10 with available salary cap money. Um, again, Evo, there's no way almost that Green Bay can pay him. And I've seen a lot of chatter, too, lately, Evo, about Corey Lindsley and, and bringing him back. And, and, and again, I, I, obviously, I'd be all for that, and, and, and everyone inside that building would be all for it. It's just how do you do it financially becomes the, the trickiest part? Because they're going to have to get rid of two or three starters in all likelihood, or guys that you know were starters a year ago, Evo, to get down to that cap cap level you know a Preston Smith's going to save them about eight million dollars a Lowry would save them about five a Kirksey would save them about five um you know so as, as you know Ricky Wagner would save them some money Evo so that, that they're going to dump guys like that just to get to the salary cap now Evo if I were Brian Gutekunst, let let's just say theoretically the cap ends up at about 180 what I would do is I would try to get myself in the 165 170 range because you are going to find out, you know, I'm just looking here, Evo, we're at about half the league that is over the cap right now, okay? Yeah. Take, take a team like the Saints. They're $65 million over the cap. The Eagles are $40 million over the cap. <laughs> the Rams are twenty five over the cap. So what's going to happen in all these places, Evo, is those teams are going to cut really, really good players. And, and there are going to be some outstanding football players on the street you know, even after the draft and probably by the time we get to like June 1st, Evo, that these guys can be signed, you know, for one year league, maybe not league minimum, but, but, but reasonable deals, yeah. right? One year, three, four, five million dollar kind of stuff. You're going to find really good football players and starters on the street in June just because so many teams are going to scramble to get down and under the cap. And and it's going to be those. It's going to be you know it's it, it's not going to be your highest high level superstars, Evo, but it's going to be really quality football players that you can you can find starters probably this year on the street yeah. in June. And if Green Bay takes that approach, Evo, you know they they, they, they can afford to take some losses right now. I know that I know Packer Nation's going to flip out when when Lindsley and King and Jones and Jamal Williams and some of these guys all leave here in the next month. But, but keep in mind, the season doesn't start till the first week of September, and they are going to find some deals on the street in June and July if they can get their books right, you know, from a financial financial standpoint.
0: Crazy. Rob, it's going to be like the Wild West out there coming up, man. It is going
3: to be the wildest offseason, Evo, we have ever seen. No question. Yeah.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. All right, Robbie. <laughs> before I let you go, I love me some spaghetti westerns, by the way. Before I let you go, Robbie. Uh, shame on me for not bringing it up last week. And you had texted me after the show. I was like, I can't believe that we didn't talk about this. So we're going to do it. I know it's a little late, but I got to get your, uh, opinion on it. Cause we've been, we've been j- joking a little bit, poking and prodding the joke, uh, casually throughout this week. Joe Barry Packers defensive coordinator, Rob, what? <laughs> like Rob, didn't he go 0 and 16 when he was DC at the Lions? Yeah, you are
3: you are right to poke and prod. His his numbers in Detroit and you know in, in, in Washington certainly weren't impressive. I mean if, if you go, you know, two years in both of those stops in both of those cities is is the D C Evo and if, if if people want to take some time and go and look back, I mean they are bottom five in pretty much every major statistical category in in both of those cities. It's it's not pretty and um you know, I I I think Matt Lafleur thought his chances of getting Jim Leonard were were really strong, and and he kept a couple of people on the back burner just in case. <laughs> you look at the two major moves he's made now, Matt Lafleur. That is this off season uh, from a coordinator standpoint, and I think a case could certainly be made that they didn't get better at either spot, and they might they probably got worse. Um, you know, Mike Penton at the end of the day. Is still a really good football coach. I mean, he he is. And um, was he the fall guy for the you know Kevin King play right before half? Did did Mike Pettin want out? I mean, there's still a lot of questions surrounding Mike Pettin. The fact he didn't renew his contract or roll over his contract after the 2019 season kind of tells you he wanted to go out there and explore and look and maybe he didn't want to be part of this Matt Lafleur team long term and you know after this after the season Lafleur said "That's that's fine we'll go in our own direction too um, but keep in mind Evo this was the first time the Packers had a top 10 defense in a decade and and you know people yell and scream and whine about the defense all the time and I would how it's held Aaron Rodgers back from multiple Super Bowls and this and that. Well, this, this year's defense was good enough. And, um, Nothing again, wrong with being
0: this, good enough, Rob.
3: It, it was absolutely good enough. So now you, you look at Joe Barry's track record and his history, and uh, you say, boy, is You know, are they going to get better with Barry versus Pettin? Right now, Evo, I'm certainly skeptical. I would say the same thing about special teams, which were an absolute disaster, Mm. and then he promotes from within. It's really hard to make the case that they'll be better than on special teams by going, you know, to the number two guy versus the number one. I don't know, Evo. There's a lot of questions right now surrounding the coaching staff, and, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. But but I'm certainly not sold that they'll be better on the defensive side of the ball with Joe Barry versus Mike Patton.
0: All right, Robbie, we appreciate your time, man. We're going to follow along at Rob Reichel on Twitter, Forbes.com, all the wonderful articles. And before I let you go, are you guaranteeing a Bucky win tonight, or are you saying you, you think they're going to be a Bucky win tonight?
3: Well, you know, if one of the seven-footers could get a rebound, Evo, <laughs> I, I feel a little bit better about things. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen that where, you know, it's sitting in my living room I, I had the same number of rebounds as is as, as, as Bucky's two big men. Um I, I like them to rally back. It, it, it's kind of been their track record in history. Yeah. So I, I I'll guarantee nothing but if I had to bet fifty bucks Evo, it's going on Bucky.
0: Rob, love it, brother. Oh, we appreciate your time, man. You keep on keeping on. All right, my friend. Have a great week. See you buddy. Stay warm. There he is, Rob Reichel. Wow. Is all I can say. It's like I said, I feel like I say this like once a month though, when it comes to deals in professional sports. Wow this time it's out of Major League Baseball as my God pay the man pay the man his freaking money man Padres Tatis Jr. 14 years 340 million dollars My God, the third highest deal, 14 years, 340 mil. How about this, Rowdy? The Padres have shelled out $784 million on three players in the past three years. Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr. $784 million in the last... Three years. (laughs) Yeah, 14 years.
1: That's a long time. Judas. Normally for a a rule of thumb for me is I don't want to be tied to a player long term at a huge amount of money post age 35, Mm -hmm. especially if they're a hitter for pitchers. Same thing, but around age 32, 33. It's wild because I'm all right with this move.
0: I I like it. Like it's not bad. (laughs) I mean, Tatis
1: Jr. is 22 years old. After this 14-year deal is up, he'll be 36, and it's still for under 25 million dollars per year. So that's a good deal. We talk about Christian Yelich, who the Brewers had just signed for a long-term deal, which that deal actually kicks in after this season. He'll make 26 million dollars per year for the next 10. That's not so. That's,
0: that's not a long-term deal at a, a
1: technically a higher clip than what Tatis would get per year for his mm-hmm. 14, and I believe Yelich would actually be older than what Tatis would be at age 36 when the year's up. But the the contract th- this is just even crazier. I saw this uh, tweet earlier this morning. When Tatis Junior's contract ends, the Mets will still have one year left to play to pay Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> The that deal will never go away. So Bobby Bonilla will still have one year left on his (laughs) Mets deal, where he's getting paid every single year. That's hilarious. After Tatis Junior's contract is over, fourteen years.
0: That that. is freaking hilarious, man. That deal. I mean, it's the Bobby Bonilla Day, right? Every every year we celebrate it and just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. So what's the bad deal? Yeah, which one's the bad deal? Is it Was it the Mets or was it the Padres? I think it's the Mets. Uh, so, Rowdy, if you are the White Sox, are you kicking yourself right now? Because the Padres acquired uh, Tatis Jr. from the White Sox in a deal for the aging starter James Shields. Remember him? Dude, Remember James Shields.
1: Big game James.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but I guess you never really know when he'd make these trades, right? I mean, Tatis was like, what, blitzing through the minors. Padres acquired him from the White Sox in a deal, like they said, from James... Uh, Shields, and then his talent in spring training was so apparent in 2019 that San Diego started him at shortstop on opening day, and look at him now, 14-year deal, $340 million with a full no-trade clause. That's the crapshoot that
1: is baseball with prospects, right? I mean, Tatis Jr., I know he was decently highly rated coming out, but at the same time, you don't know if those guys are going to hit or not. Look at the Brewers. When they traded away Matt Laporta, he was like one of their top prospects when they traded for CC Sabathia. Go look at his numbers. If you want to, they're not impressive. He didn't hardly do anything in the majors, but who happened to be the player to be named later in that same exact deal, who was a low level prospect that the Brewers really didn't know if there was any future for this guy, Michael Brantley, (laughs) Brantley. multiple time, all-star great player. He was the player to be named later in the CC deal. LaPorta was the one that everyone cared about. So it's it's such a crapshoot with prospects in baseball.
0: Rowdy, I just checked the, the news. Um, It happened. All right, so, <laughs> okay. So, oh, God. All right. I well, just got to, distracted. Back sorry. To, back Brody, to baseball. Just, all right, back to baseball. But, yeah, sorry. I just, something happened, and I just saw
1: it, and it's just, but goes, yeah, oh, my God. I mean, Tatis Jr., the guy's a superstar, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's as close as you get. To having Mike Trout these days. He's a guy that can hit for power. He's got speed. He's got a great glove. And he's got an arm. He's a 5 tool player. Yeah, you're going to unload the Brinks truck for him. He's still 22
0: he's years 20, old. He's 22 years old. That's like the crazy thing. 22. And Tatis Jr. is... He's a phenom. The dude is a star. The thing that blows my mind the most is how the Padres have spent three years. To be co- yeah, yeah. That's
1: insane. Almost $800 million on three players. But... uh I, to be completely honest, if you look at where the Brewers are at with the Christian Yelich contract and where the Padres are at with the Tatis Jr. contract that was just signed yesterday, mm-hmm. to be completely honest, I'd rather, if I was a franchise, have the Tatis Jr. contract.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, Tatis Jr. Dude, I mean, so, okay, looking at the Padres, I mean, 14 years full, no trade clause. He can decide where he wants to go. He's paid in full. I mean, that's you're set. The question is... When you're at 22, well, I don't know, I and mean, then it happens to different players, right? What happens when you get that big fat contract, and all of a sudden you just, but you never saw that. With what Mike Trout's got a more expensive contract? Mike I mean, Trout's like the Mike Trout is the is like they if there's talking anyone about Mike Trout, that
1: deserves the most money in their particular sport, it's Mike, Mike Trout.
0: Trout. Mike Trout is just insane of what he brings to the table
1: but I mean you look at it we were were we not all pumped going into last season when the Brewers had that huge extension that they signed Christian Yelich to to at the time was very team friendly yep where the guy was only going to make about 26 million dollars per year for the next 10-ish years okay yeah well you look at it now and obviously hindsight's 2020 Christian Yelich has a bad 2020 season Well, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, he didn't really have a great lead-up before spring training. Freak accident. The the broken kneecap. There was a bunch of wonky things that you can easily point to and say, hey, this is why Christian Yelich didn't have a good season. Yeah, But you're still on the hook. You're on the hook for Christian Yelich for the next 10 years. Whether he looks at the 2020 Christian Yelich – or the twenty nineteen and eighteen Christian Yelich Brewers are going to hope and pray that it's the eighteen nineteen <laughs> version because it, if it is, that's an absolute steal. Yeah. Well, at the end of this ten year contract, Christian Yelich when he when he signed it was still twenty eight years old. Uh, he's going to be thirty eight at the end of this contract. Yep. So all right, so let's look at Tatis some is here. only going to be thirty six. Yes, I mean it's great for the Padres, and it's less less money per year than what Christian Yelich is going to make. It's great Jelic for the Padres. Yelich is at twenty six per. Tatis is a little over twenty-four. This is a home run. Okay, right, so let me let me just
0: let's just look at the most expensive contracts right now. So Tatis Junior. Ch- cashes in, obviously the third highest. Number one, and let's just say yay or nay on career. Maybe I'll give a little whatever. Mike Trout, twenty nineteen, he signs four hundred and twenty-six point five million dollars. Again, we've already said it. He can, I would give
1: Mike Trout anything.
0: Yeah, Mike Trout can give him the freaking moon. The guy is insane. Mookie Betts, second highest, three hundred sixty-five mil.
1: Yeah, he's been one of the better players outside of uh, Mike Trout for the past five
0: seasons. Worth it? I would say so. Then, obviously, third was Tatis Jr. just talked about it. Bryce Harper, 2019, 330 mil, Phillies. That's one I wouldn't have done. Oof. He's he's. Th- I,
1: I like Bryce Harper. I like his skill set. I think he's got a lot of tools, except for ever since, what was it, 2000 and... Was it 16? I think it was 2016 where in May they had a series with the Cubs and they decided to intentionally walk and or pitch around Bryce Harper, like almost every single at bat in like this three or four game series. And ever since that series, he hasn't been right. He wasn't the Bryce Harper that won an MVP. He hasn't looked anywhere close no, to that. He, hasn't. he he mentally looks a little, off. He does. Compared to what he was prior. And, and
0: he, Well, dude, could you imagine you're on the Nationals, right? And you want to go somewhere else to win a World Series? And what do the freaking Nationals do after they get rid of them? They win the World Series.
1: I th- I think the number was something around... Would that break you mentally if you leave? And then your team wins the World Series without yeah, you? Maybe a little bit. But like I, Those are all my buddies, man. I think the biggest thing had to do with that series with the Cubs. I think it was three games and he had like 16 at-bats. He had like 13 <laughs> walks in that game. Yeah, And ever since then... From when I watched Mike or uh, Bryce Harper, he seems to chase, and his strikeout rates went way up. He chases way more. He wasn't as patient at the plate when, in in like the season where he won his MVP. Mm-hmm. I think that was it was smart for Bryce Harper locking it up long term because <laughs> now he's got long term security.
0: What was it thirteen years? Uh, yeah, I see this rowdy. I just you've not to for the Phillies. I just typed in Bryce Harper in Google, and you know it's like the people who ask or people also asked the questions. The second question is. On Google, is Bryce Harper good? (laughs) Uh, The contract, in hindsight, now you're like, yeah, I don't know. All right, so what's next on the list? One, two, three, four, five. Fifth highest paid, Giancarlo Stanton. Did it, what is that, 2014, I think, $325 million. No. He He hasn't been able to stay healthy. And he, there has
1: been times where, remember when he got hit in the face by Mike Fires. Mike Fires, yeah. He just, for a long time, he didn't look right. Well, up dude. at the plate, which when you get hit in the face with a 90 plus mile an hour fastball, I would be a little gun shy too, yeah. I mean, hell, there was kids growing up that when they got hit by a 50 mile an hour fastball in little league that they didn't want to play anymore. Yes. So, I mean, it makes sense when all of a sudden you get hit in the face and from you, a professional you some,
0: professional baseball pitcher yeah, with a fastball, hey. some
1: serious stuff, but I just don't think it's worth it. Even outside of that, he hasn't. He's had seasons where he's looked good, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of other he doesn't look like John Carlo before yeah. I wouldn't have done the deal no.
0: And then the sixth one, Garrett Cole, twenty nineteen, you said three hundred and twenty four million dollars.
1: I mean, that's still TBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, too early to tell. I mean, he's pitched with the Yankees for one season for sixty
0: games. And I mean, then what can you really tell? And then seventh, Manny Machado. Twenty nineteen with the Padres, obviously three hundred milli. I despise yeah, Manny Machado. I'm not a Manny Machado fan. He is a schmarmy
1: douchebag. I think he's definitely a douche too. <laughs> Do you think he's schmarmy? All I'll say is that if I was playing against Manny Machado douche. and I saw what he and say I played for the Brewers and I saw what he did to Jesus Aguilar where he clearly spiked him. Let's just say if uh, I slid into second base and Manny Machado was there. He'd be
0: getting a shin full of spikes, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he? Didn't Manny Machado though do that to? Was it was it Dustin Pedroia? Who whose career? Yeah, he pretty much did he, he pretty much put the nail
1: in the coffin of Dustin Pedroia, who was already suffering from lower leg injuries that he's had, and he totally came in there, took him out, and like
0: what you would do to him. Yes. Yes.
1: Manny Machado, and and
0: I can't stress this enough. He's never enough. been the same since the Manny Machado slid into him like that. I can't stress this enough about Manny Machado. Douchebag. Douchebag. Manny Machado. I, I, I think that's the most polite I can say about him too, Rowdy. Yeah, and that's one, like,
1: obviously this is a lot different, but if he was playing, like, if he was the same type of player on, like, a home talent league, there could be a little home talent fist fight.
0: Oh. No doubt. (laughs) Yes. No doubt. Like, yes. In fact, one day I would hope to catch, we should hope to catch Manny Machado at a hometown league. I don't think he'll ever be there. (laughs) And we go, hey, douchebag, we got some words. All right. Instead,
1: we can pay 50 bucks for a ticket to yell it at him when he comes to American (laughs) Family Field. Hey, douchebag!
0: Funny six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy Twitter is at Zone Madison and I know Machado's listening because everyone listens Manny I have no problem saying this I say it to your face too you're a douchebag all right never well, d- d- as a Brewers fan I think Brewer Nation he is he public enemy number one still I mean unless you're like a well, Cardinal it, or a Cub for people
1: that don't forget when we used to do D bag of the week and yeah. we had the ultimate D bag.
3: He, let's, not he, forgot, he, let's not forget he
1: won. who won. Let's not forget who took me out in the futile four. Manny Machado. Manny Machado. He won it. Roddy, I Which do, I never should have been in the
0: futile four. I do want to bring, the, like, douchebag of the week back. I want to retool it, rename it. It's just everyone's at each other's throats lately, you know. It's uh, yeah. Even, even if you breathe wrong, someone's going to scream at you that you're some kind of phobic or something. So it's like I'm trying to, like, we got a total – maybe I'll bring it back. Actually, we're over the line. What do I give a crap? I wonder, we're going to retool it. We're going to bring something back. Like
1: I never that. should have been in the futile four.
0: That was – speaking of – No, it is what it is. We tried to save you injustices. multiple times. Injustices. <laughs> 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 all right. So, 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 so. 608-321-1670, Twitter zone matters. And so looking at all these big deals, well, you know, the top what was at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Uh, of all of them, one was too early to tell him Garrett Cole. But no to Manny Machado. No to Giancarlo Stanton. And that's more or less just because I personally don't well, like him th- We Manny all Machado. hate him. He's a douche. I think we've made that very clear this past couple of minutes here. Uh, Bryce Harper was a n- uh, That's a no for me. And
1: that's coming from a guy that liked Bryce Harper.
0: So of the seven, we have three no's, one undetermined. Tatis Jr. just signed it, but I know that's looking good. Mike Trout is a yes. For
1: right now, the Tatis Jr. looks like a home
0: run. So right now we're about half or a little over half of saying, like, not sure on these big deals. But these are
1: the newer long-term deals. Like the
0: The old-time long-term deals, like the Albert Pujols,
1: the Alex Rodriguez's. You have the Mark Teixeira, who signed, like, a huge long ten year deal with the Yankees. A lot of those old ones. For massive, massive, massive money, mm-hmm. they don't work, and that's why you are seeing them. You are seeing them uh, change a little bit in, in the baseball landscape, where the number might not necessarily be like the twenty-five million dollars a year, <laughs> like Al, uh, Alex Rodriguez signed like yes. a long time ago, yeah, 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 over like ten years. But it might be okay. We can probably do uh, twenty. And this is for a superstar like Tatis. Over fourteen years, we can do. Mid twenties,
0: I think that's I think that's great. My question is, will the Padres win a World Series? I mean, they've they've almost put a billion. They put a how much did they put in? Seven hundred and what was it? Seven hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. If you're, seven, I'm sorry, seven hundred and eighty-four million dollars the past three years of three players. If you're someone players. that wants to feel sick about signing
1: contracts, you look at what Fernando Tatis Jr. signed the fourteen years, three hundred forty million. Now Ronald Acuna's got to look at his agent and go, dude, what
0: the hell? <laughs> What, what the hell you doing, Jackie? How did I get so screwed? Uh, I just had Tatis Junior's agent up here. here. Check this out. So Tatis Junior obviously joins Manny Machado, who's going to be a third base next to him, as the Padres with three hundred million plus deals. They also joined the Yankees duo Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton as teammates with such gaudy contracts. Both Machado and Tatis are represented by the same agent, Dan Lozano. Yeah, that he's guy, a pretty wealthy man. That guy is probably sleeping in a gold plated bed. So I told you
1: Ronald Acuna, he's got to be sick with his agent. Well, he's also an up and coming young superstar, young all-star. He just signed an extension with the Braves for eight years. This was just, just earlier a year ago, eight years, $100
0: million. (laughs) (laughs) You better fire that agent, bro. And renegotiate Wow! You got robbed! You got robbed! Does he even and, get he's, it?
1: and he's a very comparable talent, too, Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> Ronald Acuna. Oof. Does he have sponsorship deals like uh, Tatis Jr. does? T- Tatis is everywhere. He didn't even get the long term <laughs> that, that Tatis did.
0: He didn't get the money per year that Tatis did. The only reason it's so funny because it makes me it makes me feel better that someone's getting... I mean, he's still a millionaire, but someone else is getting screwed out of money like we yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, Tatis added six years and over doubled his average salary. How about uh, Infrafrost, Lit Bucky? He says Josh Hamilton's five year 125 mil was a big nay. LOL. Your Milwaukee Brewers getting a little love. Front page of CBS I was shocked. And then I saw the, like, you had to scroll down a little bit. But then, Rowdy, the first headline, when you scroll down a little bit of the picture, was about the mayor of Ding Dong City, about Travis Shaw coming home to the Milwaukee Brewers. Bring them home. So I guess, I mean, we're not the only ones that like this. I guess the uh, the big J's of com are also like, okay, Travis Shaw, third base, let's go. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a minor league deal. But if he does make the club, he gets an additional $1.5 million, correct? Well, this is he's making the club. Who the hell else is going to play third base? Who's a legit third baseman that you can trust on the Brewers staff right now?
1: Yeah, they really don't have one. That's the thing. That that's why it made sense to bring him in. He's a familiar face. He swung the bat extremely well at Miller Park, yeah. now Amfam Field, and he did have that one wonky season, but he had a lot of other things going on mentally and with other players on the team that were breathing down his yeah. neck. And I like it. Now you look at the roster, and what you have is you have a Luis Urias who. Is a shortstop, second baseman by trade. He was the guy that was your <laughs> <He> was odds-on <laughs> favorite to play third, third base. base. No, no, he no. You brought no, no, in no, no, Daniel no, no. Robertson, who's also by trade a shortstop, but can kind of play the second, third base type thing. I know there were whispers of if Urias really hit the ball well, that maybe they'd move Orlando Arcia to third base. That's not going to happen. Yep. And you,
0: outside of that. I mean, it's, Tra- it's Travis's. It's Travis Shaw's position.
1: It's Travis Shaw's position to 100% lose.
0: Yeah, and if he does lose it, then sweet baby Jesus, what are we going to do? What are the Brewers going to do? I guess Urias is then getting tabbed there? So they say after infielder Travis Shaw was non-tendered by the Blue Jays in December, it appears he's now landed back with his former club. Shaw and the Brewers agreed. Minor league deal, obviously, we talked about it yesterday, talked about it today. Uh, 1.5 mil for a minor league, then an invitation to spring training, which, by the way, pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. And then, let's see here, Shaw turns 31 in April, spent the 2020 season with the Jays, hitting two thirty-nine, but it wasn't enough for Toronto to decide to keep him. Shaw hit 63 home runs over his first two seasons with the crew, but the club let him go after he posted, oof, yeah, the one, yeah, I mean, the slash line is 157, 281, yeah, 270. Yeah, and, and it makes sense
1: that Toronto might not necessarily be a team that wants to go in a Travis Shaw direction. I mean, they're a team that has a ton of talent, and especially a ton of young talent. So you might not necessarily want a guy that's 31. Can that they
0: even get into Canada to play? Aren't they elsewhere? Like, I know they were, the Raptors are playing in Florida.
1: Remember they were uh, the Toronto, wasn't They're, it Buffalo?
0: Were they in Buffalo? I think they yeah. were in
1: Buffalo. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, Vlad Jr. plays third base. Now, uh-huh. I know he's also played a little first, and obviously in the AL he can DH. But they have a ton of young guys, and they still have one of the better farm systems. So you wouldn't necessarily want to have a Travis Shaw in a position where you have young guys that have a lot of promise there. so if that makes sense yeah, that makes <laughs> sense <laughs> like the Brewers we, we well, sure, Travis shaw has been just, he, he's been a company man for a long time and they keep screwing him around and you know that the Brewers farm system it's stinky. isn't talked about no. for a reason it, it's a bottom five farm system it's not good not that doesn't mean that you can't dip into that farm system and maybe find a player or two. it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that overall, it's not rated very highly by baseball scouts and other teams. Yeah, and when you also don't have a third baseman really of trade on roster, it gives you a great opportunity <laughs> to bring in a Travis Shaw type sure. player and let them see if they can figure it out. Because we've seen that when Travis Shaw figures it out in seventeen and he 18, does, he does awesome. He's borderline all star. Yeah,
0: and you'll take that all day
1: at third base. And with what are the Brewers doing this year? They're they're hoping that they can get Narvaez to have a bounce back at catcher. Please, he God. was one of the best hitting catchers going into last season. You also had Keston here that you're hoping for a bounce back. Come on, Cast Daddy. You're also now hoping for Travis Shaw to have a bounce back. Come on, Mayor Ding Dong. Christian Yelich to have a bounce back. Yelut. Garcia to have a bounce back. And I guess because Christian or er, Lorenzo Cain only played about a week, week and a half. You're hoping he still has a bounce back from his 2019 season. Yeah, he's got to be the healthiest he's been in some time. Where he didn't play necessarily that well. He didn't swing the sorry, didn't swing the bat very well. Obviously, he won a gold glove in 2019. But you have a lot of players that you're hoping have a lot of upside. Yeah. But then on the on the flip side of that, we're talking about how they have a lot of hitting upside. Look at the fielding now. Fielding is legit. Your middle of your infield.
3: Colton Long, baby. Colton Long's a gold glover.
1: Obviously, Orlando's Garcia is right there as well. And he that's, had a nice
0: stick last season, but don't forget that. Don't shortchange Orlando Garcia with that stick last that's year.
1: That's strong up the middle. You look at now on the corners if Travis Shaw makes the team, he's a plus defender. Yeah. You have Manny Pena, and obviously Narvaez are the guys that split time. Manny Pena is the great defensive catcher. Is he going to be
0: ready after that injury? What did he have? What, I, was don't, I, don't
1: think it was, I don't think it was as bad as what it seemed like.
0: I, gotta, I don't remember what it was.
1: I, look. I think it was a sprain. I don't think it was a tear. Um uh, did
0: he, I thought he had surgery for some reason. I'll get the I'll get the research
1: department on it. But regardless, Manny is the good defensive catcher. So now pretty much everywhere but first base, where you have a Keston here trying to, to figure out first base, you have a plus defender. Then you look at the outfield, Lorenzo Kane coming off the last full season he played, gold glove. Obviously, Christian Yelich has been a gold glove in the past. Now he's coming off his worst defensive season, but he's just coming off his worst season overall. Yeah, And then, Avisel Garcia, who probably normally is about a neutral player in the field. So, now you seriously upgraded your defense. Oh, with the defense p- is awesome. With Travis Shaw yeah. and Colton Cole Wong. Colton Wong is a nice, yeah. And you're expecting a lot of bounce back on offense. The Brewers have a lot of upside. I'm not saying they're a team that's going to go win 95 games. No, but there's a lot of potential, right? But they're a team that now has a much higher floor. Would you say
0: there's two or three all-stars on this list? Yeah. A couple potential. (laughs) Pena had a torn meniscus on his right knee. Yeah, so I mean, that's minor surgery. surgery. Yeah, so he's back. He should be good. Yeah, he should be good. Um, so yeah, Rowdy, I'm looking at, I'm chuckling here at the big J's writing about Travis Shaw. They said in Milwaukee, Luis Urias appears to be the favorite to win the starting job at third base for the 2021 season. But Shaw, I don't think so. I don't think that at all. find himself in the mix to win it. Well, he's not a third baseman by trade.
1: I I really don't think that at all. I mean, go back to when they, so pre 2020 season, they traded Zach Davies and Trent Grisham for Eric Lauer and Luis Urias. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were hoping that Eric Lauer would bloom into something better than what uh, Davies was. And they were hoping that Luis Urias, who pretty much mirrored a lot of what Orlando Garcia had been, extremely good in the field, extremely good arm, uh, above average speed, and a guy that basically hit at every single level until he got to the major leagues where he found to be very inconsistent. They were hoping that would be like a lottery ticket, like he would finally get to the big leagues, have more experience and figure it out. I don't know if you're coming into the season necessarily saying that he's your third baseman. He's a guy that really hasn't figured it out. Yeah, of, and, I mean, offensively, and Travis Shaw has got
0: history on his side. He's got familiarity with or AmFam Field, excuse me, and you know he's he's kind of on the redemption tour. Well, a hundred percent. Like Urias,
1: when you look at it, what does he have that Travis Shaw isn't? I mean, if you're going right down, obviously Shaw has more success, history, and success of of Major League Baseball play. That's one strike for, or I guess one check for Stay Travis right? Shaw. Uh, both have decent Stay arms. strike for Urias. Both have decent arms. Yep. Both are plus defenders. Yep. And I, I guess you would go with Urias has better speed. But outside of better speed right now, I don't know... If he's that much of a has that much more of an upside for that third baseman, I feel like the power that uh, Travis Shaw and the runs batted in that Travis Shaw can provide when he plays like the seventeen and eighteen version, mm-hmm. that puts Urias on the bench. That
0: <laughs> that puts him as the utility guy. It's funny. I go look at him at C- at, uh, CBS Sports. He's they list Urias as a third baseman. I'm looking here on Wikipedia. He's a second baseman. Yeah. Then I go I go looking uh, Baseball Reference. He's a shortstop. <laughs> He's a good defender <laughs> yeah. that came up as a middle infielder. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's he's got he's everywhere. If you want, I mean, it, to be completely honest, if Travis Shaw hit like he did in the past, and Urias all of a sudden came up and hit like he did in the past, you know who's probably sorry but out. Arcia. Ooh. When has Arcia been consistent? You, Just, people are talking about. I now mean, last year was about, the only time he did yeah, stick. But everyone's talking now like, oh, Orlando Arcia, he's played so good last year. Hey, it was sixty games. That's that's about a third of a season.
0: Yep. And here's the thing. I mean, sixty games, third of the season. We've seen them hit for sixty Orlando, games. Great. Before. Orlando Arcia played good last year, but <laughs> rowdy. They're the first team ever to get to the besides the throws, to get into the playoffs below five hundred. That offense for the Brewers last year. P.U. Do you remember Stinky.
1: when Orlando Arcia first came up, and obviously there was a ton of hype behind Orlando Arcia because he was one of their top prospects. He'd been signed with the Brewers since he was like 16. Mm-hmm. Obviously he had an older brother in Oswaldo that was playing in the big leagues at the time where I believe, the Twins. Like there was a lot of hype behind him. And do you remember he was called up, it was at the end of that 2016 season, and you're like, okay, we see some flashes, he looks good at times, but... Man, there's a lot to be desired and some a lot of bad mistakes and bad mechanical issues in that swing. Yep. Then in 2017 was like his first legit year. And you remember he struggled so bad for the majority of that season. And all of a sudden that, what was it, the last two-ish months, he was on fire. Yeah, he came on we're big like, time. This is You're the like, Orlando Garcia we saw in the minor leagues that hit above 300. Damn. Okay, this is going to be the guy. And he finished the season batting two seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah. Since then, he's batted. 236, 223, and then literally in less than 60 games, 260. Does that 260 really prove
0: anything to you? It was it, it was better than a th- third th- of a th- season. Better than being 160 coming into this. It we'll was say a third that. of a season. It, better than being 160. Routy. He
1: still had Orlando Arcia still has to show that he can swing the bat for a well, full year. Well, that's why
0: they only signed him a one-year deal, right? Exactly,
1: and it was a cheap two and, and a half a million dollars. Deal. But next season, bet on yourself. It's his last year of arbitration. <sighs> Which means they'll probably, depending on what happens, get another deal. But <laughs> at that time, time's up. You got to figure out if
0: R. C. is worth signing or not. I R. C. has got to figure out that hairdo, man. What are we? What are we bleaching? Our, are we bleaching the tips again here? Is there sitting on a boy band? I don't so care what he
1: does with his hair as long as he hits the baseball. Gotta figure that hair out, dude.
3: Good on the field. Figure that stick. Figure that hair out. <laughs>